Well, welcome. So great to see you. Welcome back from the summer. Uh, looks like God has protected all of you, and I'm so delighted to see you. You can't uh, appreciate for me <clears throat> what it means for me to come out and to greet each one of you and to see what the Lord is doing with you. I'm so uh, pleased that God is prospering you and blessing you and protecting you, uh, and I'm glad that this is still an important part of your life. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. By the way, before I go any further, uh, it's Veterans Day, and, and I want to uh, honor every veteran. So if you are a veteran, uh, I would like you to stand up and acknowledge you. You know, I feel a little safer. I feel a little safer. Well, bless you guys. Uh, my father also served in World War II. He was at Pearl Harbor. Uh, and so, uh, really, I have the greatest admiration for your service, and we thank you in every possible way. And I'm pleased that you're part of this group. I have an important announcement to tell you, uh, and, and that is this, that... Uh, God has uh, spoken clearly to my heart, uh, and as a result of that, I have started a new church. Uh, and so uh, every Sunday evening, uh, we had our first service last night in, in this place, and some of you were there. This wall was out, the entire building. We had over 400 people in this room. Every seat was taken. Standing room three and four feet deep all along the back row. The parking lot was actually chaotic. You can't imagine what it, what it was. I told people that uh, the service would be starting at 5. I came to three, at 3.30 to open the building. People were waiting to come inside. There was just a, a sense of hunger and thirst for the will of God to hear God's word. Uh, and so God really, I've been praying about this for a number of years that what would be God's will for my life, uh, and, and clearly God has spoken. Uh, and so I started a church, it's called the Naples Gathering, the Naples Gathering. And if you're wondering how, how that name came to be selected, it came out of a sermon my son delivered uh, several weeks before, in which he spoke about the early church. Uh, and so uh, the question became, uh, when, when Pe Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And Peter turned to him and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. When he said that, Jesus said to him, blessed art thou, Peter, on this rock I shall establish my church. And we know that when he said on this rock, he meant on the rock of the Messiahship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On that rock, I shall establish my church. Well, in the original Greek, and Matthew wrote in the original Greek, uh, there was no such word as church. The word, actually, that Jesus used as translated in the original Greek was ekklesia, ekklesia, which means gathering, gathering, gathering uh, people. And so... Uh, I thought that I might name the church uh, the Ecclesia Church, and then I realized people would think it was Greek Orthodox. <laughs> so I said, no, that's not good. So the, the actual translation of Ecclesia is gathering, and, and so I want you to know that, uh, and that's how we got the name. And, I, and this will be 
a non-denominational church. This will be a church that is open to men and women. This will be a church that will not have official membership. If you attend the church, you are part of the church. Uh, and you are free as far as our church if you want to go to another church Sunday morning and have a secondary relationship with us. Or you can make our church your primary church because that will be my primary church. Uh, and so I want to open this to you and let you know uh, that this is what we're doing. I, I made a covenant uh, with the people last night speaking about this church, uh, indicating that this will be a church that will be free of politics. Uh, it will be free uh, of, of uh, anger and resentment and harsh treatment of people. It will be a church filled with the love of Jesus Christ. It will be a church focused on the cross of Christ. We will be speaking strictly about Jesus Christ and what the cross means to each and every one of us. It will give you practical application in your life as you walk with God. Uh, and I also made a pledge last night that whatever uh, gifts come to the church, 100% uh, of those gifts will go to the ministry. I will never take a salary. I will not take any emoluments. Whatever God puts in there will go directly into the ministry. It will pay for the building uh, as we lease a building. Um, and then the balance will be given to missions. Uh, and we will, we will effectuate the work of the Lord in every way. So I want you to know that you all are invited. The reason I didn't send out a note to you guys about the first service was I was concerned about whether I had enough room. Uh, and clearly I did not. So I announced last night that starting next Sunday, there will be two services. Okay? Two services. All right? Somebody said to me, you need a bigger boat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There'll be two services, so one at 4 and one at 5.30. I'll send you a note telling you all this. Uh, and then as the Lord leads, uh, the Lord leads probably within the next month or so, we'll probably go to a bigger building. Uh, and we're already in uh, negotiation with the uh, school district in Codger County, po probably the Naples High School, but we'll see. Maybe Barron Codger, I don't know. But we need to have a bigger room. We probably need to have at least 600. Uh, and I believe this is a movement that God has, has started. All right? It's not about me. It's not about a man. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. People want to hear the unvarnished uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's what God has called me to do. Uh, and so I invite each of you to be a part of that. Look, you don't have to abandon the church that you're going to. If you like the church you're going to, continue to go there. All right? Uh, but if you're looking to hear another voice and want to go someplace with your wife every Sunday night, now at 4 and at 5.30, you can do that. So I'm going to confirm that with you all in writing. You pray about it. You pray about this church. But uh, based on what I saw last night, I saw a powerful outpouring of the will of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit filled this room. Even as I spoke last night, I said to somebody, it was as if the words were just being pulled out of my mouth. It's hard to describe that to people that haven't experienced it, but it was, it was powerful. And so I want you to understand it's non-denominational, okay? It's not a part of any denomination. It is an independent evangelical church dedicated to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so as God wills. It's about him, about him, it's not about me.
It's about him. And so uh, that's important for me to let you know that. And so uh, as we go forward today, as we always do, if you're new with us, we're so glad you're part of it. All right, we are this year, uh, we're going to start off uh, uh, on an apologetic, uh, and that's going to be a discussion of Jesus and the Bible, because I want you to be prepared when people come to you and say, well, come on, you don't really believe the Bible. Do you really? I mean, come on, it's, it's thousands of years old, uh, it's a lot of stories and fairy tales, and, and you don't really believe it. Well, your response needs to be, well, Jesus believed it, Jesus spoke out about it, Jesus declared it authoritative. And when you say that, you immediately bring the curtain down on a lot of the derision and ignorance in the world. And so I want you to be able to talk about that. The rest of this year, I plan to, to do about eight or nine sessions on the book of Luke, and then I plan to do the balance on Ephesians, uh, and inter, it will intersperse other sessions on apologetics. So it should be an interesting year as God drills down into his heart. And so Jesus spoke authoritatively uh, about the scriptures. He constantly affirmed them and used them in his teaching. And I want you to be able to understand this. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. And your Bibles are going to get a good workout today. So if you are off for the summer, you're going to get back in shape. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Now Jesus is, is dealing with Satan out in the wilderness, and Satan is trying to tempt Jesus, and Jesus uses Scripture to respond to Jesus, to Satan. Jesus answered, verse 4, It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right there, absolutely Scripture. Verse 7, Jesus answered him again, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Uh, and that's found in, in Deuteronomy. And then further, uh, in verse 10, Jesus said to him, and that's Satan, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, let's understand this. Jesus is speaking uh, with authority against Satan. Here is the prince of darkness. Here is the person who effectively has control of this world. All right, until Jesus will come back the second time and seize control away from him. But here he is, and God is reputing, refusing to allow him to stand against Christ. And how is he doing it? He's doing it with the Bible. He's doing it with the Word of God. And so I want you all to, to uh, make your lives similarly acclimated. You need to be able to talk about the Bible and remember some of these verses. And so uh, this is an important apologetic. It's a great way to start a Bible study in the beginning of the year. Now, Jesus viewed the scriptures as having ultimate supremacy and above all human instruction. And let me make that perfectly clear. I've told you this before. If you ever hear me say something that is not supported by scripture, ignore it. If you ever hear any televangelist or any so-called preacher speak on any subject, and, and you do not hear the authority of scriptures to support it, ignore it. Because all you get is the opinion of man. And you're not coming out here 8 o'clock in the morning on Mondays to get my opinion. My opinion is irrelevant. You're coming out here to hear the word of God. And that's what this is all about, understanding the word of God. 
And Jesus spoke about this over and over and over. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, verse 3. Jesus replied, and here he is now speaking to the Pharisees. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And then moving on to verse 6, he says there uh, in verse 6, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. You're, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he, when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Well, I'm not interested in rules taught by men. All right? And neither should you be. The only rules that count are the rules in this book. You understand? This is the word of God. My father used to call it, this is the map to heaven. This is the map to heaven. You want to know how to get to God? Here it is. Open it up. Read it. Study it. Digest it. Pray over it in every way. And God will reveal this in your heart. It's so clear. Uh, now, Jesus also indicated that the scriptures were factually correct. Listen to what I just said. Factually correct. Because you will hear some liberal theologians say, well, yeah, yeah, I believe that there was generally a quote like that, but I don't believe the facts are correct. Well, here's my position. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. All right? Plain and simple. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. Uh, and, and Jesus made it very clear that he considered it reliable. Take a look, if you would, to Matthew chapter 12. Verse 40. We'll start with verse 39. Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Oh, John, are you saying you actually believe that there was a big fish that swallowed up a guy for three days? Jesus said it. I believe it. All right? I believe it. And here's the point. Here's the point. God preordained that passage to indicate that the Son of Man would also be three days in the belly of the earth. All right? That was the point. Jonah was the precursor. God was using the precursor to paint the story of Christ and the resurrection of Christ in such a mighty way. And so you see this uh, in such a powerful way. While we're in Matthew, turn to Matthew 24. Verse 36, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. 
and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Men. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. John, John, John. I thought you were an educated man. You have degrees and bachelor degrees, and you're a lawyer, you have a doctoral level degree. And you honestly, John, you really believe there was a big boat? And there was a guy named Noah, and he took all the animals of the earth that God decreed and put them on, on that boat, and then God wiped out the known world at that. Do you really believe it? Yes. 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 The Bible said it, and Jesus affirmed it. I don't need any other proof. I mean, if the Son of God, who was raised from the dead, who died on the cross, said it happened, then I don't need any other proof, and neither do you. And so this is how you, you respond to people who, who deride the Bible, who say the Bible is not uh, accurate. Jesus said to it in every way. Look also now at Mark 13. Mark 13. Verse 19. Verse 19, because those will be days of distress unequal from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. Well, who, who, who created the world? Did it occur in a big bang? Somebody lit a, a match? There was a match? That's what happened? No, no. God created the world. You heard it from the Son of God. You heard it from the man that the Gospel of John says created everything. He was there before it existed, and through him all things were made. Jesus said it. I accept it. The Bible says it. I believe it. Uh, and so I want, I want to emphasize that to you also. Uh, and so Jesus used phrases that encompassed the entire Old Testament. He frequently spoke about the law and the prophets, Dozens of times in the New Testament. Let's take a look at Luke 24. And this is one of my favorite passages, Luke 24. And when I was in Israel, I, I stopped at Emmaus. And it's interesting because there's nothing there now except the ruins of a, of a former church dating back to about the year 300. Um, and, and so it's, it's interesting to me when I remember how far that Emmaus was from Jerusalem, it was quite some distance. It was at least seven or eight miles, uh, and, and it was uphill. Uh, and so Jesus, on this occasion, following, following his resurrection, Jesus went out and walked that road, and he met several disciples. Uh, and they were brokenhearted because they thought their world had collapsed. And so here, here you see... Jesus now responding, and I want you to see what he says. This is Luke 24, beginning with verse 25. He said to them, these are the two disciples, one is Cleopas, we don't know the name of the other, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And they spoke in the Bible. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? And then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Folks, that was the greatest Bible study ever given in the history of the world. I want you to get, picture this. 
the creator of the world, the son of God, is opening scriptures about himself that he wrote and is giving it question by question, sentence by sentence about everything in the Bible that pointed to him. Now he did this, we know, because of the length of the walk, over five or six hours. Imagine spending five or six hours with Jesus, having him opening the Bible to you. And that's what he did. He went through the scriptures and saw that from Genesis right to the end then, it would have been Zechariah. Everything, every book of the Bible was written pointing to him. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He will be our Savior. Chapter after chapter after chapter. That is our Jesus, and he's laying it out to them. And so here you understand that the, the disciples, uh, at the end of the walk, as it was getting to be nighttime, Jesus was going to move on. He was going to move on. But they said, no, no, stay with us. Stay with us. Sure, you want to stay with Jesus. Who wouldn't want Jesus to stay with you in your presence? They didn't know he was Jesus. And so they go and they, they go into an inn uh, in Emmaus, and they, and they have dinner, and Jesus breaks the bread, and I can just imagine, just like he did at the Last Supper, as he took the bread and he broke the bread. And instantaneously, their eyes were opened. They saw it. It's him. It's him. And he disappeared. And he disappeared. You understand the power of God. Why it's important for you to come here and listen to this. Why you need to know the scriptures. This is what's going to save your life and your children's life and your family's life and all of your friends. This book is given by God to lead you to truth. To lead you to truth. And that's what this is about. I want you to be prepared when you, when you study this and understand this so deeply. Look also, if you would, to Luke 24, uh, verse uh, 44. And there's Jesus now, again, talking to his disciples. This is after he's been resurrected. And, and look what he says here. Um, he, he said, actually, we'll start, we'll start with verse 40 so we get some context. This is where he's, Jesus is, is basically a broiling fish for the disciples. Again, that's probably the greatest fish dinner ever made. They saw him on the shoreline. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Now let me pause here because I saw something recently uh, in the internet that indicates one of the great spiritual leaders uh, of one of the great denominations in the world, I'm not going to say who it is, just came out over the last week in a book and indicated that he believed that Jesus did not resurrect bodily. All right? You can Google it yourself. I'm not going to speak about it now. Did not resurrect bodily. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but my Bible makes it pretty clear. This is a body. This is no ghost. This is no spirit. This is a body, all right? And so that's what your scripture says. Look, look, at, look at my body. Look at, look at what you see here. Uh, and and when, he had dis, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they, were still, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled 
that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. When it, then he opened their, their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Can I get an amen? Understand what he's saying here. From the scriptures, from the prophets, it's all about me. It's all about the promise of God in every single word. And you need to understand the will of God in the scriptures. In the scriptures. This is powerful uh, in so many ways. Uh, and so <clears throat> Jesus promised them that there would be divine authority over the New Testament as well. So just like the Old Testament had the divine authority and every word was, was fulfilled, the New Testament also would be the same way. Uh, and, and Jesus not only confirmed that the Old Testament was uh, the uh, word of God, he also confirmed that those teachings that would be in the New Testament would be dealt with the same way. Turn, if you would, to John 14. Verse 25, all this, and these are the words of Jesus, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Remind you of everything I have said to you. And so the New Testament, confirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the ongoing word of God, the confirmation of God in every way as to the promises that he has made to us. Look also at John 16, uh, beginning with verse uh, 13. We'll start with 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And so there you understand that Jesus is speaking. All of the New Testament, all of it, is confirmed by the Holy Spirit as God descended on the church. Every word is true. Every word speaks to Jesus. And that's what you have as believers. When you were saved, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at that moment, God reached across eternity and saved you and gave you faith and poured the Holy Spirit into your heart. You have the Holy Spirit. It's within you. Now, some of us have spent a lifetime of turning it down. You know, I, I don't want too much. People are going to think I'm a flake if I really power it up. And I'm telling you today, and I said this before, I want you to twist those dials all the way up, and then I want you to pull the dials off. Okay? That's what I want from you. I want you to be so on fire that every time you have an opportunity to speak about Jesus, you speak. Amen. You speak. You know, I told the story in my, in my uh, BLG that uh, I was very humbled recently to get a, a Lifetime Achievement Award uh, from a national group of lawyers. 
and so when I spoke uh, my acceptance of that speech, the room was filled with Jewish lawyers. What else is there? Every seat in this room, and there were hundreds of people in that room, every seat. And so when I got up to speak, I'd been praying about it. Lord, thank you so much, but do you want me to say something here about faith? All right? And so as I, as I accepted that award, uh, at the end of the award, I said, and finally I have to thank someone else uh, for whatever I've been through in life. And that is God. I have to thank God for what I have. And let me tell you a story. And some people know this story, but let me repeat this story. I grew up in humble circumstances. I grew up in a simple home. I slept in a bed in the kitchen till I was 18 years old because my dad was a dedicated pastor of a small church, and all he got was whatever came in on the collection plate. That was it. There were no benefits. There were no salaries. It was whatever came in on the collection plate. And so here I would come as I got out of law school and started to build a practice. I would go to visit my parents, and I'm saying this to this group. I would go and visit them and have breakfast with them two or three times a week. And as I would go in being a 30-year-old man at that point, I wanted my parents to know, let's face it, I'm a smart little boy. I'm a smart little boy. And I want you guys to know it. And so I would tell my father, I just won this case. I just signed this client up. I'm bringing in a Fortune 500 client. And every time I would mention something, my father would go, thank God. And I'd say something else, and he'd go, thank God. And then I'd say something else, he'd go, thank God. Finally, I lost my mind. I said, Dad, do you realize I'm killing myself? Do you know how hard it is for me? to build a practice. I don't know anybody. I don't have any connections. I'm out there bleeding every day. And he says, well, wait a minute, son. Wait a minute. Could you do this if you didn't have health? Well, no. And could you do this if God didn't give you an intellect? Well, no. And could you do this if God didn't give you an education? Well, no. And could you do this if your mother and I weren't here on our knees praying for you every day? <laughs> no. When I walked into the house, I was six foot one. When I walked out, I was one inch tall. And that's the message that I gave to that assembled group of lawyers. Thank God. I thank him that he was with me my whole life that he surrounded me with his blessings. And I thank him that you're here, and I hope that you recognize the God of the creation who's here in this room touching you. When I got done, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And I've gotten emails from people that told me that they couldn't stop crying. Even people went up afterwards, had tears coming out of their eyes. It was the Holy Spirit that emboldened me you think I could have done that 20 years ago? Oh, man, come on. Are you kidding me? Give me the award. Let me have it. I earned this thing. I bled for this thing. This is mine. It's only, you see, when you walk with Christ, when you walk with God, and every one of you here in this room has the same testimony. He has made you what you are. He has given you what you have. 
He's given you life. He's given you a family. He's loved you and affirmed you. And God is telling us this in Scripture. Thank you, God, for every step of our life. And help me, Lord, to continue to say this with my breath to the day that I die. To the day that I die. And I want you to have that kind of confirmation in your heart. And look, Jesus goes on and on and on in which he talks about the validity of the validity of the Bible. Look at Matthew 24. And here now he's going to be talking about Daniel. And he's going to be talking about the last days. When Satan will come in in the last days uh, and, and will seek to destroy the Jewish people. Look at 20, verse, Matthew 24, verse 15. So, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. John, do you believe the prophecies of Daniel are going to be true? Yes. Why do you believe it? Because Jesus said it. All right? Here he is, validating the, those very promises, validating what he said. And let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of the house Sit down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. Uh, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. All right? He's speaking about the prophecy of Daniel. All right? So you understand how Jesus looks and validates this in every possible way, how, how correct it is. Uh, also look at Matthew 19, beginning with verse 3. And here the Pharisees are trying to confound Jesus. That's great. You're going to have a lot of luck with that. Let's see if we can trip him up. Let's ask a couple of stupid questions. Let's see how he gets himself out of this one. He'll never figure this riddle out. Uh, and so in verse 3, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And you notice that whenever they posed these kind of legalistic questions, Jesus always elevated the discussion and went back to Scripture. Look what he says, verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Stop. Wait, John, are you saying that you believe there was a Garden of Eden? Are you saying, and that God created man, Adam, and Eve, a woman? Are you saying that? No, Jesus said it. The Bible said it in Genesis, and Jesus confirmed it thousands of years later. Right? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them make male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. That's the will of God. That's what God said. That's in the scripture. Somebody said to me about last night, boy, you were, you were on fire last night, man. Maybe you could take it down a notch or two. <laughs> And I love you all, and I love the guy that said it, but let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit is firing bullets, just stand back. 
You understand? Just stand back. These words just come out of my mouth. They're coming out under the power of God. I want you to understand this. I bow in submission to him. And so if you see me passionate, it's because God is putting me on fire right now. And I remember what Jesus said to the disciples as he walked into Jerusalem, you remember? And they were, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, G, and, and the, the Pharisees said, tell the people to be quiet. Bring them down, Jesus. We don't want this commotion going on here. The people will get too excited. And Jesus said, if they didn't speak, the stones would rise up and speak. And that's the truth. That's the power of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if I'm saying something that's igniting your heart right now, it's not me, okay? It's not me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit giving you a message for today, touching your heart. That's what you need to understand and see it. And so you see it here. Yes, Adam and Eve existed. Yes, they were created by God. Yes, I believe that there was a Garden of Eden. Yes, Take, you know, and we, and we understand this in every possible way. And then Jesus spoke about David. He spoke about David. And you know that if you speak to some uh, liberal Jewish teachers today, even rabbis, many of them will tell you that they're not sure that they believe that David existed. That, that they're not sure that he was an actual uh, factual man. Well, you see, we're in a different position. Jesus has spoken to us. Take a look, if you would, at Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 43. We'll start with verse 41. And so the question becomes, as Jesus is saying, whose son, whose son is the Christ? Whose son is the Messiah? Is the Messiah merely a man born of men and women, or is the Messiah... According to Scripture, the Son of God. And so look at the verses here in verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. And mind this, he's asking the Pharisees. All right? He's not asking his disciples. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to him then, How is it then that David speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord, for he says, and this is now a citation directly from Psalm 110. And he says there, this is the citation from Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? You understand? If David says to my Lord, my Lord spoke to my Lord, meaning Jesus, the Son of Man, is speaking to the Son of God, all right? And he's having this colloquy between God uh, and says there in that colloquy, sit at my right hand and I, put, I will put your enemies under your feet. And Jesus said, then, if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? You wouldn't call your son uh, uh, your Lord unless he was the Lord of God. He's not merely a physical man. 
No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. How's that? Mm. No more questions. We don't like the answers. So we're better off not answering the questions. So you understand that. He's affirming David as a prophet. He's affirming David's prophecy as true. And he's affirming there the fact that David recognized that the Messiah would be holy and godly and not really uh, a human being in the sense of every human being, although he would come from his lineage. He would still be the God of all gods. And so you understand this. Uh, and so uh, turn also to Mark chapter 10, beginning at, at verse 5. It was because your, your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. And so there you see it, Jesus affirming that Moses existed, that he was a prophet of God, that it's true. Jesus replied, but, verse 6, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and attend united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so you see it there, right in the beginning, affirming that that's exactly how God will act, how we will do that in every possible way. Turn also to Hebrews now, uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And this is the faith chapter. And so in this scripture, this is now not Jesus, but it's his apostles. We don't know who specifically wrote this, but it had to be someone of apostle leadership. It's one of the great books of the Bible. And it's the faith chapter. And in this faith chapter, uh, effectively, it's a recitation of the Old Testament. Uh, and so look at this, by verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he's dead. Well, there you go. John, you believe in Cain and Abel? Yes, I do. Why? Because Jesus affirmed it. Take a look at the next verse. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean he was taken from this life? He did not experience death. Are you saying that Enoch did not suffer physical death? Yes. He was translated. As the Bible speaks, it means as he's walking around one day, he's gone the next. God took him, just the way he took Elijah in a chariot. Okay, because this was a holy man. And so I want you to understand it. This is the New Testament confirmation of the Bible, of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, and, and so you see it. Uh, and for continuing on in that, in that faith. Uh, by Verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes. Noah. He existed. He was a man. There was a flood. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Wait a minute. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Old Testament, patriarchs, they existed. They were true. The confirmation exists under the, under the writing of the Old Testament. 11, 
By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. John, wait a second. Do you believe that story that Abraham conceived a child when he was 90 and his wife was 85? That's physically impossible. How could it happen? It says that Abraham was as good as dead. I have a few guys in here that can testify to that. (laughs) But here's the thing. Under the power of God, under the power of God, God can take the dead and bring it to life. And God confirmed the promise. And there you see it. In the New Testament, confirmation of the will and purpose of God. Yes, he existed. Yes, Isaac and Jacob existed. Yes, he had this child when he was in his 90s. Yes. And so verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Uh, And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Do you ever feel like you're an alien and a stranger? Do you feel that way? Are there days when you feel like you're alone? That you're here walking in Naples and that you're an isolated person? That there are no other people of God? Look around you. Look around you. These are the people of God. If you were here last night, you would have seen hundreds of them. The people of God rising up rising up to worship him, to be a part of the kingdom of God. These are the people of God. God has written a scripture for you. He has given a scripture to you. He has given his son to you in every possible way so that every step of your life will be guided by this roadmap. Do not let anyone put this book down. Stand up for it. Lift it up. Have courage. Ask God to give you strength to do it. And through this, to lead people to the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for these men. I thank you for their hearts, Lord. I thank you for the blessings to be together. And I thank you for the message that you have given us this morning, Lord. I pray that this message will resonate in our heart and grow day by day as we continue to understand your word and what you gave us in this great book. Help us, Lord, to stand with it to read it, to study it, to pray over it, to make it a part of our lives, to digest it word for word so that when we go out to the parking lots of the world, we can deliver this message to the lost. Be with our men. Protect them in every way and bring them back safely next week as we put all of this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you.